0: Okay. All right. If I can just take your attention again, I want to show you a clip. Do you remember? Do you remember when I? Um, do you remember when I, I? said it was how good it was to have no winter this year, and uh, you know, being in Europe and thirty-degree temperatures mostly in America, heading up into the forties. How good that was. Did anyone remember me saying that? and how I felt for you guys with all the rain that you had and the states of emergency in the Lower South Island, and declared here. Anyone remember that time? Well, we did have one day's rain. And are we we able to play it? I want to show you half an hour of rain that we had in Istanbul. Those are hail stones, and they smashed the backs out of so many cars, you wouldn't believe. just about every car that was exposed has huge dents in the boot and bonnet, etc. Okay, that'll be enough. So we were on a boat just coming across the, the straits into Istanbul when that was in full force and, and arrived to just this bedlam across the city with, with the streets just running with water. and It was cool. It was really, really good. Hey, I want to show you some... some um, uh, Slides of of our our journey. There's so much in Ephesus. How many have been there? Cool, you know exactly what what we're um, seeing and how there's, I just, we haven't got enough time and space, but go back. This is the the beginning uh, when you come in from the top of Ephesus. Those were the Roman baths in there, and people, when they arrived in the city, would go and bathe. And then the top area of the city as you're going down the hill, it's, it's mountain, two, two big hills coming down into a valley, a small valley, and this is the, Ephesus is kind of pitched in the valley, but the walls ringed right up into the mountains all the way around. And only the, um, the princes and the elites of the city were allowed in this sort of region that are here. On the left is a mosaic street, which you're not really allowed to walk on because it can be destroyed. On the right was the street for the commoners. Talk about class distinction. Only certain people were allowed to walk on the the street on the left and then the one on the right. On to the next one. This is um, one of the temples. There's temples for everybody. You know, who was the main god of Artemis, also called Diana? But this was the Roman temple. If you go on to the next slide, that's what it looked like. And you're looking at the statue there of one of the Caesars. And if you go back, you can see his foot. And he's standing on the world. He's on the globe, standing like that. But that's all that's left. And then on another couple. Um, this was the mall. And, and this is, these are shops going back into the hill. And if we go to the next slide, that's what it was originally like. So the shops were in the bottom area there. And then up on the grass, up on the top, another temple as well. And right down here is is the library, probably the most famous building that's there. And it's really grand. It's it's just amazing. Go go just go back to the library. But what they've discovered is there is a secret passage from the library across to the brothel. (laughs) And the men some of the men would be saying, Dear, I'm going to study tonight. (laughs) Human nature. Down the very bottom, walking down uh, towards, there's a little bit of the wall up the top that's being rebuilt as well. This is the um, the theater, the, what do they call it? The amphitheater, thank you. Um, This is where for two hours they chanted, great is Diana of the Ephesians, great is Diana of the Ephesians. And the hill out the back is, just go back, the hill out the back there is where the Roman fort was. And so you can see why it took two hours for the soldiers to get there, quell the riot, while uh, shouting this out, um, because it's so far away. And where all the green paddocks are, that was sea. But it's slowly been filled over the, over the couple of thousand years, and the sea is uh, 11 k's away, I think it is now. That road used to just go down to the, to the sea itself. The next one shows you how big it actually is. It can fit 25,000 people in it. It's massive. And so they estimate that um, there was somewhere around about a quarter of a million people living in Ephesus. So it's not a small city at at all, it's massive. We then went on to um, the church, it's called Mary's Church, and this is one of the um, bowls in the large sort of entry area into the church, I think, and the next one shows you the kind of the auditorium size, back to the pillars, and you can see a person way back there. Everything's, Everything's huge. And then on to the baptistry pool. I wonder how many people got baptised there. John the Apostle pastored this church. And, uh, you know, how many people did he baptise there? The thing about Ephesus that absolutely amazed me was you get there and you know that it's true. But you get there and it's true, true. It's like, flip, this is where it actually took place. And there were so many temples to so many gods, and Paul should have been so intimidated that he absolutely lost the the challenge of what God had called him to do. But he won. And I found myself in Ephesus thinking, if Paul can win in this city that had so much against Christianity... Because they worshipped all these other gods. If Paul can win there, the gospel can win in any nation. Let me me just share some some thoughts a little bit um, around this. How many of you have had a speed camera ticket? (laughs) If you've had two, please raise two hands. (laughs) Have a look around (laughs) at those who haven't. Now, do you remember what it was like before speed camera tickets came in? And then do you remember what happened when speed camera tickets came in? There's a new tunnel in Auckland, and they put four speed camera tickets, and if you've been reading the paper, you know that the government got almost a million dollars in the first couple of weeks out of Aucklanders from speed cameras. (laughs) But what a difference from when there were no speed cameras to when there were speed cameras. The government hadn't changed, the people hadn't changed, but the agreement between the government or the police and the people had changed and suddenly we all started shelling out for any any um, speeding infringements caught on those cameras, right? Well, it's just like that with regards to covenants. God didn't change, the people didn't change, but the agreement that the God and the people had radically changed. You know, last time I was talking about Brian Houston and how he got uh into a situation where he was being questioned by a lot of very bright atheists. And they said, how can, how can this be a true book? This is made of myths because the God in the Old Testament doesn't even resemble the God in the New Testament. How could it possibly be? He's killing people in the Old Testament and he's supposed to be a God of love in the New Testament. And Brian very wisely talked about different covenants that God has had and he dealt with people in a certain way but when a new covenant was made he dealt with people in that way and when another covenant was made he dealt with people and related to people in that way and, and it's all about covenants and just to recap the Abraham's covenant was a grant covenant um, all the responsibility to keep the covenant was on God there was grace if people didn't behave properly if they what we would call sinned But the Bible says where there is no law, there is no sin. But we know it as sin. They knew it as whether they were behaving properly or not. If they didn't behave properly, God still blessed them. Because the responsibility to keep the covenant was on God himself. And it was based upon whether they were children of Abraham. Because God had made a a covenant with Abraham. And in that covenant, he'd set down various promises for Abraham and for his people. And from Abraham through to Mount Sinai, the people were blessed because of their pedigree. Their pedigree. And coming out of Egypt, the people moaned and they rebelled against Moses and they rebelled against God. Yet God continued to bless them until they got to a place called Mount Sinai. Or Horeb, it's called both. (coughs) And nobody died coming on that journey. And suddenly, as soon as the Ten Commandments are given, 3,000 people die in a day. And then in Numbers 11, which is just three days after God calls them to set out from Sinai to go on the rest of the journey towards the promised land, the people start to complain about hardships. If you've got your Bible, turn it up, but I'm reading from the NIV. Now the people complained about the hardships in the hearing of the Lord. And when he heard them, his anger was aroused. Then fire from the Lord burned among them and consumed some on the outskirts of the camp. That had never, ever happened before. And when the people cried out to Moses, he prayed to the Lord and the fire died down. So the place was called Taberah because fire from the Lord had burned among them. The rabble with them began to crave other food. And again the Israelites started wailing and said, If only we had meat to eat. Now, listen to this. This is getting yourself hungry, friends. This is exactly what we do when we're thinking about whether you'll go out to dinner that night. We remember the fish we ate in Egypt at no cost the cucumbers, the melons, the leeks, the onions, and the garlic. But now we've lost our appetite. We never see anything but this manna. The manna was like coriander seed and looked like resin. The people went around gathering it, gathering it and then ground it in a handmill or crushed it in a mortar. And they cooked it in a pot and made it into loaves. And it tasted some, like something made with olive oil. And when the Jews settled in the, camp, in the camp at night, the manna also came down. And Moses heard the people... Of every family wailing at the entrance to their tents. And the Lord became exceedingly angry. And Moses was troubled. I'll bet he was troubled. (laughs) He's never seen God like this. And he asked the Lord, Lord, why have you put this trouble upon your servant? What have I done to displease you that you put the burden of all these people on me? Did I conceive all these people? Did I give them birth? Why do you tell, them, tell me to carry them in my arms as a nurse carries an infant to the land you promised on oath to their ancestors? Where can I get meat for all these people? They keep wailing to me, give us meat to eat. I cannot carry all these people by myself. The burden's too heavy for me. If this is how you are going to treat me, please go ahead and kill me. He's having a real pity party day, isn't he? got to admit, though, the pressure is pretty intense. It's got God angry on one side and a whole couple of million people asking him for food. It's particular food. If I have found favor in your eyes, do not let me face my own ruin. And the Lord said to Moses, bring me 70 of Israel's elders who are, who are known to you as leaders and officials among the people and have them come to the tent of meeting that they may stand there with you. And I will come down and speak with you there and I will take some of the power of the Spirit that is on you and put it on them. And they will share the burden of the people so that you will not have to carry it all alone. Now that's good news, right? So tell the people this, God says. Consecrate yourself in preparation for tomorrow when you will eat meat. The Lord heard you when you wailed. (laughs) Wailed. If only we had meat to eat. You were better off in Egypt. We were better off in Egypt. Now the Lord will give you meat and you will eat it. And you will not just eat it for one day or two days or five days or 10 days or 20 days, but for a whole month until it comes out of your nostrils and you loathe the meat because you have rejected the Lord who is coming among you. And and you've wailed before him saying, why did we ever leave Egypt? But Moses said, isn't that true that we remember the best of of the past and forget about all the trouble? Why did we ever leave Egypt? Hello? But Moses said, here I am among 600,000 men on foot. That's not the women and the children. So you do the maths and it adds up to, to millions of people. And you say, I will give them meat to eat for a whole month? Would that Would they have enough if flocks and herds were slaughtered for them? Would they have enough if all the fish in the sea were caught for them? And the Lord answered Moses, Is the arm of the Lord too short? Has anyone got an answer for that? This is a prophetic word for one or two people here today. Is the arm of the Lord too short to heal whatever's needed in your body and in your life? Is the arm of the Lord too short to to accomplish what needs to take place in your life? And God said this to Moses. Is the arm of the Lord too short? Now you will see whether or not I will, uh, what I say will come true for you. So Moses went out and he told the people what the Lord had said. And here's the answer. Now a wind went out from the Lord and drove quail in from the sea. It scattered them up to two cubits deep all around the camp as far as a day's walk in any direction. A cubit, they tell me, is 90 centimetres of height of birds. How far can you walk in a day? I can tell you that. But how far can you walk in a day? Someone call out something. 20, 30, I think most people could do 30. 30 k's of birds this high deep. They couldn't go anywhere even if they wanted to. I just think this is so humorous of God. 30 k's. Uh, sorry, um, 30 k's distance out. And all that day and all the next day, all that day and night and the next day, the people went out and gathered quail. No one gathered gathered less than 10 homers. 10 homers is how much? One and three quarter tons of meat each. And they stacked it all up around themselves, as high as they could just to get it there, wouldn't they? Two days and a whole night of collecting. An old Rover 90 used to be two tons. If you remember 1956 through to 60, Rover 90s, big tanks, two tons. And they had that much in quail food. And then they spread them out all around the camp but while the meat was still between their teeth and before it could be consumed the anger of the Lord burned against the people and he struck them with a severe plague. Therefore the place was named Kibroth Heteva because there they buried the people who had craved other food. Because there's always ringleaders. Ah, what do you reckon? god killed them this is serious serious change that's taken place god's not only withdrawing his blessing from his people but for the first time in history he's releasing curses upon his covenant people and people are dying another example numbers chapter 15 a person's found found collecting wood on the sabbath Now let's just have a moment of truth. Has anyone ever mowed the lawn on a Sunday? Has anyone ever done any work at all on a Sunday? People inquired of God, and God's answer was, stone him to death. Numbers 16, Korah plus 250 community leaders. These are some of the top people who, who by their type A personality and their giftingness, have just become the leaders of, of, of these millions of people. They challenge Moses. And as a result of their defiance, God opens up the ground and swallows Korah and his whole family just whoosh into the ground. And fire then comes out of the ground and consumes all the rest of the 250 men and women that are there. And the Israelites the next day grumble against Moses because God did this, and God sends a plague amongst them which kills another 14,700 people. What's God up to? Why has this come about? Now friends, there are really two answers, there's two schools of thought here. The first is that God intended to define sin to human beings. And so his intent was always to introduce the law. So he introduced the beginning of this covenant with the word if. If. If you do right, you will be blessed. And if you do wrong, you will get curses coming down upon your life. In other words, he said to mankind, you must perform to be in my good books. It's a a performance covenant. And you will be punished if you can't perform. Now that's a legitimate belief for people to hold, and I would have held that at one stage. But I don't think it's accurate exegesis. So let me ask you the question. Have you ever in your life Answered someone's question and found that you put your foot in your mouth. And then you tried to extract your foot and you found that it got worse and deeper no matter what you said, it was just going sideways. God starts a conversation with Moses in Exodus 19. And he says this Then Moses went up to God. And the Lord called him from the mountain and said, This is what you are to say to the descendants of Jacob and what you are to tell the people of Israel. You yourselves have seen what I did in Egypt and how I carried you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. In other words, brought you to this place, to me and to this place. Now, if you fully obey me and keep my covenant, then out of all nations you will be my treasured possession. And although the whole earth earth is mine, you will be for me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words you are to speak to the Israelites. Now, what did you personally hear out of what God spoke to Moses? What words stood out to you when I read that? Because here we see a compassionate, loving God offering the whole nation the opportunity to know Him firsthand, with no intermediary. They don't have to go through Moses. They don't have to build boxes called confessionals. The whole nation is given the opportunity to be priests, not just a tribe, but everybody, yeah. to come to know. Mo- uh, Uh, Yahweh, God, in the same sort of way maybe not to the same level as Moses but in the same sort of way that Moses has they can have real relationship with him and he says six things to them that are good he says you'll be my special treasure he says you'll be my personal possession you can have this genuine relationship with me you will be protected and there will be providential things that will happen around your life that will look after you and you will become holy. And then he says two things that are conditional or requirements upon the children of Israel. He says, um, you will need to obey me fully and keep my covenant. And so God speaks these six things to describe the amazing, gracious relationship that he's offering to the Israelites. When he says, I want you to obey me fully, God has always desired Moses and the people and Abraham in his day and us in our day that we will obey God fully and we will go after righteousness and holiness and seek to live and walk well. He's always desired that. But the problem for them is our problem as well. It's the fact that internally we're broken. And he's saying, do you want to do what is right? Because I want you to do what is right. And then he says, keep my covenant. And the covenant that they knew about was the covenant of circumcision, which was a sign that would cause them all to remember that the blessing around their lives was because of the goodness of God, not because of their own ability to make it happen. So God gives six promises to them, and they ignore the promises and only seem to hear one thing, and that is obedience. And for them, that means rules. What are the rules? And sadly, their response is full of arrogance. They say, tell us God's rules and we'll do them. And there's absolutely no connection to reality. Have the children of Israel ever kept the rules? What were they thinking? How on earth are they going to do them if they couldn't do them in the past? There's absolutely no connection to what the whole of their life has been like. Yet arrogantly they say to Moses, we can do whatever God asks of us. No problem. And actually... That's the belief of most non-Christian people today. We have reasons why we excuse our behavior that isn't right but we can see the bad behavior in other people but we don't see it very well in ourselves. I can be good enough. And from that moment on God changes tack with his his people and he seems to hold the Israelite nation at arm's length. Now think of what the people could have said. Wow what a generous offer from God. A loving God is loving, he's gracious, he's so protective and so providential towards us, but we struggle to be good. God, we need your help to fully obey you. But we do actually, in the core of our being, want to fully obey you. Imagine if the people had come back saying that to God, what the covenant could have actually been drawn up like. But tragically, every time God talks to them about it, they don't take the foot out of the mouth and they dig a deeper hole. In Exodus chapter 20 and verses 18 to 21, this is a little while later after that first conversation. It says, when the people saw the thunder and lightning and heard the trumpet and saw the mountain and smoke, they trembled with fear and they stayed at a distance and they said to Moses, speak to us yourself, Moses, and we'll listen, but do not have God speak to us or we will die. And Moses said to the people, don't be afraid. God has come to test you so that the fear of God will be with you to stop you from sinning. See why God was... Revealing himself in, in, in this vast fullness that, that the Creator God actually is. It's so that there would be a deposit of the fear of God in people's lives that would keep them on track, help to keep them on track to not doing the wrong thing. But the people remained at a distance while Moses approached the thick darkness where God was. So they reinforced to God and to Moses that they didn't want genuine relationship, they wanted one step back from God. They just wanted rules. And their thinking had become set. And they said arrogantly to God, by the way, we can easily keep any rules you give us. No problem. And so that became the terms of the covenant, the new covenant that God was writing up between himself and the people. And then we go over to Exodus chapter 24 and verses 1 to 8. Then the Lord said to Moses, Come up to the Lord, you and Aaron and Nadab and Abihu and 70 of the elders of the Lord. You are to worship at a distance, but Moses alone is to approach the Lord. The others must not come near, and the people may not come with him. There's that keeping the people at a distance. And when Moses went up and told the people all the words Lord's words and the laws, they responded with one voice Everything the Lord has said, we will do it. Moses then wrote down everything the Lord had said, and he got up early the next morning and he built an altar at the foot of the mountain and set up 12 stone pillars representing the 12 tribes of Israel. And then he sent young Israelite men and they offered burnt offerings and sacrificed young bulls as fellowship offerings to the Lord. And Moses took half the blood and put it into bowls and the other half he splashed against the altar itself. And then he took the book of the covenant and he read it again to the people. And they responded, We will do everything the Lord has said. We will do it. And Moses then took the blood, probably shaking his head, and sprinkled it on the people and said, this is the blood of the covenant that the Lord has made with you in accordance to all these words. So the people rejected what potentially could have been a grant covenant and said, no, we want a kinship covenant. We want one where people, we're on dead equal terms with God himself. You tell us what to do, we can do that, we'll do that. Just like a marriage is a kinship covenant. Instead of everything being carried by the Lord himself and the responsibility for the covenant, the people said, no, we we want to actually be responsible for our own lives and how we live and we can do everything that you say. And God wrote up a covenant on that basis. And the covenant was sealed with blood. But unlike Abraham's covenant, where only God was represented at the sacrifice, if you remember, Abraham would seem to be in a trance-like state, and, and this heavenly being, something from heaven, something from God himself, went between the, the uh, sacrifice that had been laid out, and God was the only one who, who ratified the covenant. In this covenant, God and man ratified it together. And tragically, the people had no ability Or even intention to obey it. And the results were catastrophic. So Moses gets immediately asked by God, Come up the mountain for 40 days and 40 nights. We're all familiar with the story. And he's hearing and he's receiving from God. And he's given the Ten Commandments on stone tablets. And God places the Ten Commandments and the stone tablets in Moses' hands and immediately says, I'm just about to destroy the Israelites. Just stand back, I'm going to kill every one of them. And the reason was that everybody had donated gold and they'd made a, Calf, and they'd broken the first commandment of the tab- it's written on the tablets, and they'd gotten involved in partying and revelry. It says from that point on, and Moses, Moses pleads with God and says, "Don't do it." On the on the basis of Abraham's covenant, these are your people. It'll look bad if you kill everyone. That was a little bit of a joke, trying to lighten the atmosphere a little bit. <laughs> And God says, okay, on the basis of that. Because remember, it's an eternal covenant that was set with Abraham. It's still up, it still runs. And he says, okay. And Moses races down with Joshua and the others down the mountain. And they get to the bottom of the mountain. And sure enough, there's a party going on. And they're worshipping. And, and revelry, read orgy, is taking place. And Moses calls the Levites and says, Every man to me. And and a whole lot of them come to him. And he says, Get your sword out. And I want you to go through and kill anybody. Even if it's your mother, your brother, a friend. Just kill people until we stop this revelry. And 3,000 people get killed that day. On the very first day of the law covenant. Can I show you the goodness of God in this? Would anyone like to see the goodness of God? In Exodus 19, we see the arrogance of human beings saying, we can do this, there's no problem. But in Exodus 20, we see God immediately instructing Moses to build an altar and to sacrifice animals to himself on it. You see, there's a saying that says, Jesus is in the New Testament revealed and in the Old Testament concealed. But what's the altar all about? It's about the fact that Jesus will have to come and die for humanity. And God's given them a visa system called blood sacrifice of animals. And every time you mistakenly do something wrong, if you want to stop the curses from coming on your life, you go and you take a a dove or you take a a bull or you take a, a lamb and you sacrifice that and you pay through visa until the one who picks up the total visa bill 1,500 years later will come to the earth and pay for everything in full. Yep. Jesus is in the very next chapter of the Old Testament after this covenant is signed because God knew the people would never be able to actually fulfill it yep. or even have the heart and tension to follow through for their lifetime. Isn't he good? And that covenant operated for the next 1500 years, this behavior com- covenant, as a way that God related to his people. Would anyone like to go back into the old Mosaic covenant and live before God in that way?
1: Hmm.
0: So, why do we try to? A lot of it is because we haven't understood. There was a covenant with uh, with Adam, which we haven't talked about. But there was a covenant with Abraham. And there's a Mosaic covenant. But one day, the music team can come. Some angels turned up on a hillside where some shepherds were, watching over sheep, and the very beginning, Of a brand new covenant that was much, much, much better. With much better terms than that old way of relating under law ever, ever could be. And in the providence of God, you and I have been born in the new covenant time. Please stand.
1: While shepherds watched their flocks by night, all seated on the ground. The aim, oh, excuse me of the Lord came down and glory shone around. said he for mighty dread had seized their troubled mind glad tidings of great joy I bring to you and all mankind all glory be To God on high And to the earth be peace Good will henceforth From heaven to men Begin and never cease